Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 28. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Be aware, because when you're trying to serve other people, the serpent is going to bite. Satan's all, do you think Satan's happy that you're serving God? I have to remember that. When spiritual warfare comes and, you know, I got to remember that. I got to press on. And you got to press on. And you got to know that when you're serving God, Satan's going to try to bite and the serpent's going to try to bite. But God is victorious. Amen. God is greater. So notice in your Bibles in verse 4, when the barbarians got to move on, when the barbarians saw the venomous creature hanging from Paul's hand, notice they said, no doubt this is proof he is a murderer. Did you see that? In other words, they're saying this guy has escaped the sea, but he can't get away from his sin because the snake has got him. He is a murderer. And notice, get the scene. Look at verse 4 again. So when the natives saw the creature hanging, you know, the scene is this. Give me your attention. The scene is that the natives are all standing around. Paul's putting the wood into the fire. The natives are all standing around kind of watching. The serpent bites. The natives are standing there, and there's probably like an awkward silence, kind of a really quiet silence. Dr. Luke is there as well. Well, the serpent bites. The natives are certainly familiar with the snakes that are on this island. They've seen it before. They've seen a serpent bite and the person would swell up and die. So they're standing there waiting for Paul to die. Dr. Lucas standing there thinking, I'm a doctor, but I can't do nothing. And there's this awkward silence. There's a, an expectation, an anticipation of death. And they're just all quiet. And all of a sudden, Paul just shakes off the serpent and looks at them and goes, what? (laughs) What? And they're like, well, we're waiting for you to die. (laughs) At least swell up or do something. (laughs) We've seen this before. And and, and, and Paul says, he probably a little sanctified imagination here, the white space. Paul probably said, that's between the lines. Paul probably said, (laughs) Paul probably said, you know what? I got a promise from God. I told you guys on the ship that God said I was going to Rome. So this serpent that has bitten me, I'm not going to die because God has already given me a promise that I'm going to Rome. And Paul probably said, you guys don't believe God's promises, but I do. You see, Paul knew that even though the serpent would bite him, Paul knew he had the promise of God 
that he was to go to Rome. So Paul, notice the Bible tells us he just shook the serpent off. Listen, saints, I'm going to tell you this really quickly because I got to move forward. Sometime when the serpent bites, you have got to just shake it off. Sometimes you got to shake it off. You got to shake it off. And there's many reasons why you got to shake it off. But here's one main reason why you have got to shake off Satan's attacks. Because people, listen, are watching to see how you deal with the bites of the enemy. Do you know that the, peop- the, the barbarians, the natives, your neighbors, your family who don't know God, don't you know that when life bites... Perhaps you just got news that you or some loved one has cancer. Perhaps you've got bills you can't pay. Perhaps you just got divorce papers from a spouse. Some disappointment has come to your life. There's been a bite. Listen, you got to shake it off. Because the world is watching how you deal with your situations. The world's watching the Christians. Listen, Christians seem to think that the world has no right to watch their life. And Christians seem to think that, well, this is my life. I can do whatever I want to do with it. My own business. You don't need to be looking at my life. No way. I'm not Jesus. We put bumper stickers on our car. Christians aren't perfect. Just forgiven. I'm forgiven. I don't need to be perfect or whatever. All these excuses why someone shouldn't be watching your life. Listen, the world has every right to watch your life when you say you're a Christian. And when you say that you're a Christian and you go through trials, then in the world's watching, you got to shake it off so that you can be a witness to them of how Christians go through trials and how we go through suffering, we deal with life. Everything that happens to people in the world happens to Christians as well. We have to deal with life. We're in the world, but we're not of the world, the Bible says. So we are in the world. We've got stuff to deal with. The car breaks down. The washing machine needs to be replaced. Car accidents happen. Kids are kind of crazy. Kids are kind of crazy. Kids are kind of crazy. Parents say amen. Stuff happens. That's life. But the world's watching how you deal with it, how you, Christian, deal with it. See, Christians, we, we deal with, we, we are supposed to deal with the bites of the enemy a lot different than the world does. You see, the world, when they have the bites of Satan, y'all know what I mean by bites? Shake your hand if you know what I mean by bites. Some of y'all doing this. Uh, bites, trials, situations. When Satan bites the world and problems happen with them, they go to Dr. Phil. Ring, Dr. Phil, what you think? For the Christian, we call on Jesus. Amen. So the world's watching, just like these barbarians, these natives were watching Paul to see how he dealt with the bite. The world is watching us as well. And notice and and how we deal with it. And I want you to notice something. When nothing happened to Paul, did you get that? When nothing happened to Paul, they said, he's a God. Notice that I pointed this out already. He goes from murderer to God, murderer to God. You know, this is the second time this happened in Paul's ministry. You'll find it in Acts chapter 14 as Paul was healed by a man. Perhaps you were with us and they said he's a God. And then later they wanted to stone him. Isn't that interesting? Even Jesus, you know, people are fickle. 
Isn't that the truth? People are fickle. Even Jesus, one moment they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the next minute they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. You know, one minute people love you, the next minute they hate you. One minute you're the best thing since sliced bread, do something wrong to them. And now you're moldy bread. Isn't that true? That's the best I could do right there. Now you're, you know, now, oh, I hate you. You know, one minute they, they, they want to sacrifice to you and the next minute they want to make a sacrifice of you. You know, somebody once said, be careful. Don't let people put you up on a pedestal because they'll take that pedestal from under your feet and beat you over the head with it. <laughs> and if that wasn't so funny, it's true. It's just true. And people, you know, one minute, you know, Paul's a murderer, and the next minute, he's God. Notice that. And, 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 you know, I was thinking about this even yesterday. How many of us have heard this? Listen, how many of us have, have heard this? You've been out sharing the gospel. You tell people that they need to accept Jesus. You tell them that Jesus is the only way to be saved, and that if you don't go through Jesus, you cannot be saved. Have you, you've been sharing that with people when you share, you know, the gospel and the, the message. And, and I've had people say to me, after sharing that with them, well, you know, what, what, what about the pygmies in Africa? Or what about the aborigines in Australia? And, and, and the truth is, you know, they're just looking for a loophole. They don't care about the pygmies in Africa or the aborigines in Australia. I, I usually say to them, well, if you care so much about the pygmies in Africa, why don't you, why don't you go to Africa and witness to them? <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> now, you don't care about the pygmies in Africa or the aborigines in Australia. You're just looking for a loophole. Let me tell you something. Listen, we can learn this from this story. God cares about the people who are on islands. God cares more about them than you do. God cares so much that he allowed a Euroclidon to come to throw them, quote unquote, off course, that they might end up on this Malta island because there was a man named Publius who had a father who was sick with dysentery on this particular island. And God wanted to heal that man through Paul. God wanted to heal him through Paul. Not only did God want to heal Publius' dad through Paul, but God wanted to use Paul to even heal all the rest of the people who came from the island. And according to our text, listen, it implies in the Greek language that everyone who came for healing was healed. That's the implication there. Everyone. So listen, God cares about the pygmies in Africa, the aborigines in Australia, and any other persons on any corner of the planet. God cares for them. And even if, listen, and even if God does not send an individual to that island, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork day unto day. They utter speech and night unto night they show forth now. In other words, listen, if no one ever gets to the aborigines in Australia, God will reach them even if he needs the stars to speak. Don't you understand? God will do everything and anything and go to great lengths to reach people with the gospel. What do you mean? Well, he's already done it. He sacrificed his only begotten son 
That to me is the ultimate in trying to reach people. I don't know that I'd be willing to give my son for people who hated him. I wouldn't be willing to give my son to people who spit on him. God did because he will do whatever it takes to reach folks. Doesn't whatever, wherever. The next time somebody tells you about the Aborigines in Australia, two things. Tell them they should go to them, number one. And then you tell them, God knows how to reach people. Don't you worry about the Aborigines in Australia. What about you right now? You understand? Okay, let's move on. Where are we at? Verse 11. Verse 11, you there? Say amen. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship, another ship whose figurehead, note this, was the two brothers, I'll tell you in a minute, which had withered or wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. And from there, we circled around and we reached Phygeum, or Regium, actually. And after one day, the south wind blew. And the next day, we came to Putatoli, where we found brethren in verse 14. This is beautiful. And were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Epiphorum and three ends. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and he took courage. And when we came to Rome, finally in verse 16, Paul gets to where, saints? Rome. The centurion delivered the prisoner. Who's the centurion? That's Julius delivered the prisoners to the captain of Nero's guard. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with a soldier who guarded him. His name was Julius. I am confident that Julius was a Christian by now. Because remember, he was chained to Paul. Approximately like two years around Paul all the time, every single day. I don't think it's possible to be around Paul every single day and not become a Christian. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. And that's very, very true. So, so, so notice now Paul comes to Publius' house and um, he sees his dad. He prays for him back a little bit. And then they were healed. Notice in verse 11, they were there on the island for three months and then took off on another Alexandrian ship, the bow of this ship, this is what I want to tell you, the bow of this ship, there was this statute, or like figurehead statutes, if you will, to the sons of Zeus, twin brothers. One was named Pollux, P-A-L-L-U-X, Pollux, and the other was named Castor. That was on the bow of the ship. And the superstition was that Pollux and Castor was the god of the sailor protection. So then notice the Bible goes on and tell us they landed at Syracuse and then Regium and then to Portitoli, which is a main port in the southern part of Italy. And then they traveled along the Apian Way, the famous Apian Way, which ran from the coast to Rome. And then some of the brothers came out to meet Paul at the Apian Forum, which is about 40 miles from Rome at the, at the Apian uh, Forum. And then some traveled as far as the three, en- three ends, which is approximately 33 miles from Rome. You want to keep in mind at this point, listen, the book of Romans had already been written three years prior to Paul actually getting to Rome. So by now, listen to me, a bunch of the brethren, people knew Paul. 
they were already familiar with his heart. They were already familiar with his ministry because the book of Romans had already been written. And according to Romans chapter 16, it was delivered to Rome by a deaconess of the church. Her name is Phoebe. Phoebe's the one that got the letter to Rome, the book of Romans. And so it already been written. So by the time Paul gets there, these brethren are already there and they come out to meet him. And this is just a beautiful scene as they they get together and they see Paul and they've listened to him and they love him. And, 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 and they're just encouraged and happy to meet him. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. Now he's in Rome. So when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against Our people or customs of our father, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. He's just rehearsing what happened. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. And for this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you, to speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, that's a reference to the Messiah. Because of Jesus, I am bound with this chain. And then they said to him, we neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you in verse 22 what you think. For concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. And so when they had appointed him a day, many came to Paul at his lodging to whom he explained and solemnly testified to the kingdom of God in persuading them concerning Jesus from both the laws of Moses and the prophets. From morning till evening, Paul persuaded them from morning till evening. I mean, I love Paul. This is a long-winded preacher. I love it. Y'all think my sermons are long. He's preaching them for 24 hours, man. And some in verse 24 were persuaded by the things which were spoken or some believed and some what saints disbelieved. But when they did not agree, they're arguing among themselves. They departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah, the prophet. This is what Paul said. The Holy Spirit has spoken rightly through Isaiah chapter six, verse nine and ten. The prophet to our father saying, Go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and you shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known in verse 28 to you that salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, Paul said. And they will hear it. And when he had said these things, the Jews departed and they had a great dispute among themselves. And then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things. Notice preaching and teaching saints. I love to take time to develop it, but I don't have time. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you underline this? With all what? Confidence and no one forbidding him. Before you shut your Bibles, listen to me close. Paul was in Caesarea for two years waiting to be heard. You know that. Here he is again, 
sitting for two whole two more years. These two years, during this time, these two years, Paul writes Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. He writes those four epistles during these two years that he is sitting. And later on, we know from history that Paul is found innocent, and then he's released only to be rearrested. He's put back in prison, and then Paul is beheaded by Nero in A.D. 69. But you want to notice that during these two years, Paul stayed in his own rented house and received all who came to him. He's probably around 60 years old at this time. He's still preaching the kingdom. He's 60 years old. He's still preaching the kingdom. He's still teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus. And notice in verse 31 in your Bibles, as I try to wrap it up, he's doing it, preaching and teaching with all confidence, with all confidence. Saints, listen, this word confidence, if you're taking notes, you write this in your margin. It means unhindered, unhindered. In other words, listen, don't you find it interesting that the last chapter, the last word in the book of Acts, the last verse here in the book of Acts speaks of the teaching and the preaching being unhindered, being unhindered. In other words, listen, the book of Acts, here's what I believe the Holy Spirit is telling us. Are you listening? The book of Acts isn't finished. How you know that, Rodney? Because we're sitting on Center Street and it's 2,000 years later and we're listening to the Bible. The book of Acts, we are Acts chapter 29. The book of Acts is unhindered. It's still going on. And it's still the same old story. And it's, I love this same old story. You know, you cannot get tired of the Bible. And although as a preacher, I've preached the, the, this book of Acts now, and this is five times through the book of Acts for me, verse by verse. And I can tell you, I never tire of this story. It's the story of trusting Jesus, relying on the Holy Spirit and the word of God to continue to spread and to change the lives of people. It's the same story. It's unhindered. It's not, it hadn't stopped. Yeah, we get to verse 31 of chapter 28 and we stop and we'll pick up another book next week, which I'll tell you when you come back. The suspense. But God's word is unhindered. It continues on and on. And even as we finish the book of Acts, You know, I think of Paul, listen to me close. I think of Paul as he's had many obstacles in 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 his ministry. I I love the book of Acts because it's fast moving. It's fast paced. It's kind of action. And, 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 you know, guys, we like action. We like action movies. And and it's kind of action. The book of Acts moves. And even though Paul has had many obstacles in his ministry, you know, the one thing you'd have to say about him is that he stayed the course. He actually did get to Rome. He could have given up a lot of times. There was a lot of things to hinder him, but he stayed on task. Listen, saints, we can learn from that. Listen to me close. We can learn from that. You don't let Satan hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. Somebody say amen. You don't let Satan hinder you. You stay on task. You stay on course. I'm going to read something and leave you with this as we close the book of Acts. It's called the mission statement. Listen, stick with your work. Don't flinch because the lion roars. Don't stop to stone the devil's dogs. Don't fool your time away chasing the devil's rabbits. Do your work. 
Let liars lie and let sectarians quarrel. Let critics malign, let enemies accuse and let the devil do his worst. But see to it that nothing hinders you from fulfilling with joy the work God has given you. He has not commanded you to be admired or esteemed. He has never bidden you to defend your character. He has not set you at work to contradict falsehoods about yourself or track down every rumor that threatens your reputation. If you do these things, you will do nothing else. You will be at work for yourself and not for the Lord. Keep at your work. Let your aim be as steady as a star. You may be assaulted, wronged, insulted, slandered, wounded, rejected, and misunderstood. You may be abused by foes and forsaken by friends and despised and rejected of men. But see to it with steadfast determination, with unfaltering zeal, that you pursue the great purpose of your life and object of your being until at last you can say, I have finished the work which thou hast given me to do. I love that. A mission statement? Yeah. Finish the work. And then in the words of a great theologian, his name is Poole, he said this. He says, now unto him who is able to work so as none can hinder, be all honor and glory, dominion and power forever and ever. And all of God's people agree and said, Amen. Amen. Doesn't it feel like a sense of accomplishment when you get to that last word and the last verse of the last chapter of a book? If you were here in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, raise your hand, would you? That is a good number of you. And I thank the Lord that I can say with Paul, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel, at least of the book of Acts. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.